Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths about keeping your eye on the finish line, not the rest stops. There are some times when you and I have to sacrifice, don't we? Now, we don't live there all the time. But there are times when God is doing some work in my life and your life that, that there has to be a stretching of my life, right? And if I think that God has called me to pace myself, I'm in the wrong army. <laughs> God hasn't called me to pace me. God has called me to be stretched, to run that race. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Word of God says it's foolish to confront a fool, but it never says to run from the battle. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us to spiritual boot camp as he brings us three important principles necessary to win the battle. Let's join him for today's message simply titled, A Call to Warfare. We are continuing our series on Nehemiah, Servant Leadership. And as we think of the call to warfare, we remember what Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The believer is called to spiritual warfare when he or she is called by Christ into the kingdom. You are born into warfare. You have no choice. Before you came to Christ, you were on the enemy's side. Now you're Christian, you are born into warfare. The enemy does not like your decision. He doesn't like your lifestyle. And he's going to do everything he can to oppose your life for the glory of God. That is an absolute guarantee. We are to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2, 3. Some of you who were in a depth study, we just covered that in depth. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, bringing down the stronghold of the enemy. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. We are to fight the good fight of faith in 1 Timothy 6, 12. We are to know that God has delivered us out of the mouth of the lion and will deliver us and shall deliver us from every evil work. 2 Timothy 4, 17 and 18. That includes the past, the present, and the future. God is faithful. Now, in our study of Nehemiah and the capacity of servant leadership, we have learned that, first of all, a call to serve has to do with our attitude, viewing ourselves as servants. A call to serve. How do I view myself? Do I see myself as a servant or do I want people to serve me? Secondly, a call to work has to do with our actions to accomplish the work of God. If I really know and believe that God has called me to work, then am I an active participant? You've got to be practical about it, right? You've got to step out. Now a call to warfare has to do with our abiding, trusting, and depending on God to finish the work in which He calls us to serve on. Abiding. Not wimping out, modern vernacular, okay? <laughs> we must hang in there. We must abide in Christ. And so what we want to do tonight is uh, look at Nehemiah and gain some insight regarding our call to warfare. The call to warfare is marked by three things. First, opposition from without. Second, 
opposition from within. And thirdly, opposition fans the work. Those are the three things. Now, we're going to be looking at chapter 4 down to chapter 6. Now, you know that there's no way we're going to be able to cover real in-depth nor be able to read it all. So for the sake of time and to get through it, what I'm going to do is I will give you the point and I will give you the verses and we will read them as we make commentary to it so this way we can follow along. And so let's begin with the first. The call to warfare, first of all, is uh, marked by opposition from without. Okay? It's always going to be there. Opposition from without is ever present, but not ever active. Okay? Remember that. Opposition from without is ever present, but not always ever active. So when you're going through a war zone and you kind of feel like you're not being bombarded, don't be deceived. The enemy's out there. Secondly, when a believer commits himself or herself to the work of God, there will be uh, every form of attack. Every form of attack. Realize that at this point, for 13 years, the enemy had allowed them to be there because they were doing nothing to build the walls. And as long as you're doing nothing for the kingdom, he'll kind of let you just slide. But you want really intense warfare? Get serious about God. Begin to get active for God. And boy, you will have everything break loose, I guarantee you. Now, the opposition from within is found here in chapter 4, the entire chapter. And then we're going to jump over to chapter 6, verse 1 through 9, okay? So opposition from without, all of chapter 4, and then chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. Let's look first at chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. Here you have opposition from without is in response to their commitment to build. In response to their commitment to build. Verse 1 through 6 says, But it so happened when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren in the army of uh, Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifice? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, if even the fox goes up on it, he will break down the stone wall. Now he says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. This is Nehemiah. Turn the reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. Do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. And so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. And so here opposition from without, first of all, is in response to their commitment to build. Verses 1 through 6. Notice first in verse 1, the reaction of the enemy was to become furious and indignant. You just get serious about God, and boy, the enemy will be furious and indignant. Because as long as you're doing nothing, that's good. Because not only are you doing nothing for the kingdom, but you're being a bad example of a Christian. (laughs) People are being communicated a wrong message of what a believer is. Notice secondly, And in verse 2 there, it says the method of the enemy was mockery and sarcasm. Down to 3. 2 and 3. The end of 2 and down to 3. The method is mockery and sarcasm. People will mock you. You share your faith and they'll listen real quietly. And then somehow you'll get wind in your job how these people are mocking you. And it's like, that's cool. You see? But isn't that the way we used to do it in the world? 
Notice thirdly in verse 4 and 5, the response of Nehemiah was to pray what's called an imprecatory prayer, which means to pray that God break their teeth in their mouth. That's how David prayed in the Psalms, okay? Now, we're not allowed to do that, okay? In the New Testament, the soldier of the New Testament were to pray for our enemies, but when we have severe opposition, we can pray and turn them over to Jesus, right? Lord, you go before us. Lord, you defend us. I like the way Paul got around this. He says, Lord, reward them according to their deeds. <laughs> Interesting. Notice, fourthly, in verse 6, the result was that half of the wall was finished because the people had what? A mind to work. Man, it is amazing what God gets done through his people when the people have a mind to work. It is incredible. When all of us have a mind to work and we catch the vision of what God is doing, nobody's put out, there's no great burden, everybody pulls together, and God just gets glorified. That's exciting. The word mind speaks of the heart, the center or middle of something, including the feelings, the will, and the emotion. You make your mind up. You will to do something. And no matter what, you hang in there. You're committed. You see? And that's what's lacking today in many Christians' lives, in their own personal commitment. They receive much consequence because they're not committed to the cause of Christ. So they walk with Christ for a week or a month, then they take a little R&R, you know, and then they come back more beat up and, you know, be consistent towards your relationship with Christ. Be consistent in your commitment to the church. Be consistent in being used of God. You've got to go through life the rest of your life, whatever age you are. Now, you can go through it with Christ or without Christ. The choice is yours. I mean, it's much easier to, you know, if you've got to swim a long distance, Either you have fins or without fins. Boy, it's much easier with fins, isn't it? Give me the fins. And that's just about the size it is with walking with God or without God. One of the two. Now this word, minds, appears 860 times in the Old Testament. And the most common meaning is for the totality of man. Okay? The whole man. I'm totally committed. Sometimes we divide between body, soul, and spirit, but you know, we don't deal with man that way. We do it to clarify a point, but everything's involved, my whole person. I'm committed. And my, my intellectual decision is, yes, I'm going to. Then I get into it, and then my emotion, oh, I don't know, this and that, and my physical, you know, but no, I'm committed. I, I bring all three into oneness. I am committed. Notice secondly, in verse 7, down to 23, the opposition from without is in response to the work accomplished. He says, Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, the, the Arabs, and the Ammonites and the Ashdites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being, beginning to be closed, that they became very angry and all of them conspired together to come and to attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayers unto our God, and because of them we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. And so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came, and they told us ten times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. 
Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that the God had brought their counsel to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. And so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spear and the shields and the bows and wore armor and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and the other hand they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had their swords at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, The work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Therefore, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. And so we labored in the work, and half of the men held their spears in daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, Let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem, and they may be our guard by night in a working party by day. And so neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard uh, who followed me took off their, our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. Now, there you have commitment. <laughs> now, it's in response to the work accomplished. Notice first here in verse 7. The reaction of the enemy was to become very angry when they heard that the walls were being restored and the gaps were beginning to close. You see, the enemy does not like accomplishment in the kingdom of God. And therefore, he starts to discourage at the commitment level. And as they see work, it gets more intense, does it not? In verse 8, the method of the enemy was what? To conspire to attack Jerusalem and create confusion. See, that's another way. Confusion begins to be in the body. Satan uses people to confuse people. Satan will attack you to bring doubt, which brings confusion. Fear brings confusion. In verse 9, the response of the people was twofold. First, they prayed to, notice, their God. You see? Personal. Not somebody else's God. It's their God. Secondly, they set a watch against them day and night. That's common wisdom. You don't become just dumb because you're Christian. You become very, very practical. If people are breaking in your neighborhood at night, you lock your door. You know what I mean? You don't just leave it unlocked. You become very practical. That doesn't mean you don't trust God. You become practical. And then in verse 10 and 12, notice the effect of opposition from without. In verse 10, discouragement hit them as they got their eyes on the labor rather than the Lord, seeing that the strength of the laborers began to fail and there was so much rubble that they could not build a wall. Sometimes the work gets tough, doesn't it? It almost seems like, oh man, did we do the right thing? 
You ever make a decision, you know it was the Lord, and then you get halfway through it, maybe you buy a house, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, we should, isn't that? And it's just, you know, attack of the enemy. And, and the work is hard, whatever is going on, but it's just the process of working through it, right? Much rubbish had been removed for half of the wall was up already. What was the beginning exhortation in Joshua, uh, in the book of Joshua, when he went in? Stop being afraid. Don't be discouraged. Be strong and have good courage. Why? Because the minute you step in to the promised land, the minute you're born again to the kingdom, what is it? You got warfare. There's going to be giants in the land. There's going to be wall cities, and they're not going to stop to the day you go home to the kingdom. They're going to be there, and you need to face them. Notice in verse 11 and 12 that fear gripped them as they heard the threats of their enemies to kill them and cause the work to cease. But you're familiar with 2 Timothy 1.7, right? God has not given us a spirit of fear of power, but of sound mind. Okay? So I know when fear comes into my life, I know it's not God. So it's either the enemy or just my own self or the circumstance trying to overwhelm me. You know, I think sometimes the obstacles are so small but what happens is Satan puts a magnifying glass, we turn around, we look at it, and whoa, it looks big. And sometimes we make things bigger than they really are. Now, they're real to us, but they're really not that big. But I've allowed fear to come into my life. I've allowed doubt to come into my life, and, and I'm not really going to the Lord. I'm trying to figure, how am I going to work through this? And then I take it upon myself, and the more I try to untangle. You ever try to untangle a ball of yarn or something? Or you get one of those, those threads that you with weed eaters and, and the thing is all tangled. And you just want to cut and throw the thing away. Forget it. You know what I mean? Notice intimidation in verse 12 distracted them from effective service. Oh, so important. Intimidation distracted them from effective service. It says, so it was when the Jews who dwell near them came, they told us ten times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon you. Might as well hang it up. You guys are dead. Ten times. Ooh, that's intense intimidation. Every time they turn, hey, you're going to die. Interesting. During World War II, you had Tokyo Rose, who would intimidate the troops. GI, you're going to die. All kinds of different propaganda stuff. You know, your girl's back home, and some other guy's taking her out, and all kinds. Just a lot of harassment. That's the enemy. Intimidation. Then in verse 13 down to 23, you have the result of opposition. What was the result? In verse 13, they positioned armed men. Good move. <laughs> That's how we're to respond. They positioned armed men behind the lower part of the wall, at the openings. They said, people according to their notice, this is, this is great, this is wisdom. According to their families, their, uh, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Why? Because you put a man at an opening and there's warfare. And the enemy comes, he might hang in there. But you put his family next to him, he'll never run. He'll never run. He'll die. That's why, see? Verse 14, they pointed their eyes back on God. And I looked and arose 
and said to the nobles and the leaders and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Okay? He points to their source, God, but then he points to the reality of their life, their families. Boy, you put that combination together, you've got one mean soldier. <laughs> Verse 15, the people return to the work, but not before this happened. They stationed, they got encouraged, they got their eyes back on the Lord. Then they return to the work. If they don't do that, you will never return to the work. And if you do, you'll return half-hearted, which is as well as doing nothing. Because pretty soon you start murmuring and complaining if your heart's not totally sold out. Verse 16 through 18, you have the practical precautions that were taken. In verse 16, half of the people worked and half armed themselves. Real practical. You see? Real practical. Real practical. And God is in the work. They didn't become presumptuous. In verse 17, the builders of the wall worked with one hand on the, uh, held the sword and the other, they worked. Common sense. By the way, this is probably the text of which uh, Spurgeon began his uh, printed magazine, The Troll and the Sword, from Nehemiah. You fight and you work at the same time. Something go wrong in your life as a Christian, you fix it while you run the race. You don't stop and sit on the sidelines. You fix it while you run. You're in the race. You can't afford to sit down and fix it. You fix it while you run. The enemy wants you to stop running. You've got to run. You ever seen the Olympics, those guys that are running, and all of a sudden they lose their step or they trip? Did they just, you know, just quit? Oh, okay. No, they do everything in their ability to stay on their feet. Sometimes you look, whoa, whoa, and he's up here. I can't believe he didn't hit the ground. Why? Boy, he's got his eyes on that finish line, that corrupted gold. Christians get tripped over. Oh, I, I heard. I, I'm going to sit down for a while. Get up. Let's go. Run. We're in a warfare. Verse 18, they all had weapons on their side. Real practical. In verse 19 to 23, they had a strategy in case of attack. As you read down there from 19 on down, the workers were great and extensive and they were separated far from one another. And in verse 20, there was a trumpeter there, the person with the trumpet. And he exhorts them that God would fight for them. And they have the plan to blow the trumpet in case of an attack. Then in verse 22, they have the plan for each man and the servant to stay in the night in Jerusalem, that there may be a guard by night and working by day. And then he tells us in verse 23 that he, as well as his brethren, the servants, and the men and all who were there, they didn't take their clothes off. I mean, that's commitment, except for washing. <laughs> there are some times when you and I have to, um, have to sacrifice, don't we? Now, we don't live there all the time. But there are times when God is doing some work in my life and your life that th there has to be a stretching of my life, right? There has to be a giving. And if I think that God has called me to pace myself, I'm in the wrong army. <laughs> God hasn't called me to pace me. God has called me to be stretched, to run that race. And so 
it's incredible as you, as you see here the attack from without you know in response to the work accomplished we see it here it's incredible good good information for us as soldiers of the cross Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of preparing for the long battle now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Now, there's more on this important topic to come, but if you can't join us for the next edition of Simple Truths, you can pick up a complete copy of this message. The title to request is A Call to Warfare. Ask for your copy of CD for only $4. And please be sure to pass this on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're finished with your own study. And once again, the title to ask for is A Call to Warfare, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station in all your correspondence. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry. Your faith is a walk, not just talk. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese encourages us not to sit out the battle. So join us for more Simple Truths training for warfare next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 